This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello, everybody. It's the Hockey News Podcast. Matt Larkin is here. That is me. I am Matt Larkin. I am here with Ken Campbell, Ryan Kennedy. So much to talk about. Possibly the most fun time of year. We've got the draft that just ended. We've got Coke cans opening. We've got trades happening. Free agency is looming. Everything is happening. Uh, Everything. Everything. So I guess let's start with the draft. You guys are both there. Um, it wasn't a super eventful draft in terms of trades. There was one big trade we'll get to later. Um, but it was a pretty interesting draft in terms of players being reached on, players falling, especially in the first round. So uh, I guess we'll start with you, Ryan, being the draft rain man. Um, who, were, who was your big winner and your big loser at the draft? Well, for a winner, uh, it's tough because I have two. I, I, I can't separate them. So I'll say the New York Islanders and the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, both teams really benefited from what happened above them. So starting with the Islanders, they had two picks in a row. They get Oliver Wallstrom and Noah Dobson, uh, partially because the New York Rangers went a little off the board with Vitaly Kraftsoff ahead of them. So I really like this storyline because obviously those two franchises are fantastic arch rivals. And if... You know, Oliver Wallstrom turns into a 35 goal scorer in the NHL, or if Noah Dobson turns into like a 25 minute per night guy and, and Kravtsov doesn't work out, Islanders fans are just going to be howling. If Kravtsov turns into an amazing power forward, then Rangers fans are going to say, haha, we knew it all along. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. But the Islanders, it, it goes deeper than that, and, and that's why I think they were a huge winner, if not the winner because you have that big first round, and then more importantly, you follow it up. So Bodie Wild dropped out of the first round. Islanders get him. Jakob Skarek, uh, one of the best goaltenders, they got him in the third. I, I really like pretty much every pick they made. Bruce Lenishikov, uh, a little kid from Russia. He's been very good internationally. Uh, Jacob Pavanka, son of former NHLer Michael Pavanka. They got him in the fourth. Uh, this is sort of a jack-of-all-trade Swiss Army Knife player. Blade Jenkins, the fantastically named uh, name. player from Saginaw. They got him late. I think there's some there's some nice potential there. And then Christian Krieger, uh, one of the Krieger twins, Todd Krieger's sons. They got him with their final pick. Um, Hard-hitting, <clears throat> nasty to play against. They get, these two guys got picked like three or four picks apart, eh? Yeah, which I thought was awesome. Are they twins? Or they are, are they, twins. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, twins, they play exactly the same way. They play on the same team, uh, Lincoln and the USHL. So uh, I, I thought they did really well there. And then with the Red Wings, obviously benefiting from Montreal taking Jesper Kotkaniemi third and Arizona taking Barrett Hayden. Uh, with the fifth overall pick, the Red Wings get Philip Zadina, a player I Woo! know nobody expected them to, to get a shot at. And then they followed up with that 30th pick that they got from Vegas in the Tom Tatar deal. They get Joe Valeno, who, you know, I, I think a lot of people thought was at least a mid-rounder, if not sort of on the bubble for the top 10. So they get him at 30. So all of a sudden, a team that admittedly was looking at defensemen end up with two very good forwards. But, I mean, what are you going to do, right, when those, those spoils fall to you? And then from there, Jonathan Berggren, uh, a really, uh, you know, a kid that was really on the rise at the end of the year. Yeah. They get him in the second. Uh, Jared, Jared McIsaac and Al Gregula, they finally get some defensemen uh, as the, the draft moved on. 
These are nice picks. With McIsaac and Regula, I think they're very safe in the sense that you know, you know they're going to be pros. They might not have high offensive upside necessarily, but you're getting some players there. And, you know, from there they made some other nice picks. Ryan O'Reilly was the hometown kid from Dallas. He can really shoot the puck. Uh, needs to get faster, but that's okay. And then finally, Otto Kippen Mackey. This is a player that I had on my, my draft sleepers list. Uh, very good, skilled, smaller player from Finland. They get him in the seventh round. So, you know, potential all around. They, they got a couple of goalies in there as well. Uh, three defensemen overall. I think it was really just a solid overall draft for the Red Wings. Did, did you have me on your draft sleepers list? Did you have me on there? Because really? I slept through the whole draft because hey. it was so boring. Hey-oh. <laughs> you didn't get your trades. I know Whoa. you didn't get your trades. Uh, yeah. I thought you were going to tell me a, a guy named Ken Campbell got drafted. No. I was like, oh, that's a cool <laughs> fact. Philip Zadina was some pissed, oh boy. Oh, yeah. I don't Ooh. blame him. He was yeah. mad. Even his parents were, were upset. Yeah. I, uh, I had I, there were opportunities to have adult beverages occasionally. Really? On, fr- on Thursday and Friday night. Yeah. And I was, I was at the lobby bar in the hotel, and uh, Zadina's camp was there. His parents were, were there. Um, they, they don't, their English isn't very good, but I, I got, <laughs> you got the message. I got enough of a message that they were quite bewildered by the fact that, and I think somebody was saying this before was they were like, they don't, they don't sort of get the whole nuances of the draft and how it works and how somebody might fall or there might be yeah. a, you know, and I, I think they, they were like, what are you talking about? Everybody's talking about, uh, like as the number two or three guy all year yeah. and he ends up going sixth. And they, I don't think they could really quite get their heads around that mm-hmm. yeah and it and it is tough and yeah i was having you know some of the conversations with agents where it's the same deal where you have to explain like yeah you might be better than that kid right now but certain teams you know they all have different lists and they're going for different things it might be positional so i i you know zadina had the the, the quote of the weekend when he said you know i'm gonna fill their nets referring yeah, yeah. to ottawa and montreal Woo! for passing on him and he's in the division yeah, with Detroit, that. so love that's that. going to be pretty good. I wonder, too, I mean, I, I know not everybody shares this opinion, but I mean, I, I think that a lot of, for a lot of the season, I know they separated later in the season, but it was not considered a great first round for centers, and Valeno was pretty high relative mm-hmm. to Kakanyemi for much of the season. So if I'm Montreal, like, I look back, I know it's hindsight's twenty twenty, but I'm like, could they not have traded the third overall pick for pick 6 and 30 and taken Zadina and Valeno? Instead yeah, of taking really. Kotkaniemi, which I feel like was a reach. I think Detroit was smart. Detroit shows you how to do best available. Yeah. They, we know Detroit needed a center and a defenseman. They went with what they already have, a winger, because they couldn't pass up Zadina. Yeah. Whereas to me, Montreal, I feel like the Habs overthought it, and they reached on a guy who I don't think is talented as Zadina or Brady Kachuk. Oh, but, at number yeah, but, three. But, but I mean, how can we say all these things? We had, like that's the have you ever seen this kid right. play? Like, but but like scouting in, in, exists for a reason. Yeah, right? I know, but I know, and scouting exists for a reason. And scouts are wrong a lot. <laughs> not not as often as they lot. used to be, though. Not anymore. I know, though. but they're wrong a lot. And I mean, to me, it's like you pick the guy you like. I don't yeah. have a problem with Montreal, you know. And it, it may turn out this kid, this kid might be a, this kid might be a complete bust. This kid might be in the Hall of Fame someday. We have no idea. Yeah. I think you take the, the person you like and, you know, I mean, we get so caught up in these things. But, I mean, you know, if Jenny Kuznetsov was picked 26th overall mm. and he was the best, one of the best players in the playoffs. There's a kid. I don't know, Ryan, go to the seventh round. 
Go to the seventh round because there's a and throw a name at me. All right, this will be fun. Um, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Luke Lowheit. Yeah, Luke Lowheit might play 600 games in the NHL. There you go. And the guy picked after him might end up in the Hall of Fame. And there might be a guy that ends up in the Hall of Fame who's right now playing junior B hockey at the age of 18 that nobody even knows about. Mm. Like, I, I just find we get so caught up in, oh, this guy is, I can't believe they picked this guy because this guy's better than this guy and this guy is this. It's, it's all so inconsequential where they get picked and all those sorts of things. I mean, the, the draft follows a pretty standard operating procedure. Mm -hmm. One-third of the first round are going to be NHL stars. One-third of the first round are going to be okay guys, and probably a third of the first round will barely play in the NHL. And there will be guys in rounds two, three, four, five, six, and seven that are better than, every, than half of the guys <coughs> that got picked in the first round. Yeah, you know, my my problem with the Montreal pick is if they took Kakaniemi because they thought he was going to be the answer at center in a couple of years, I feel that that is fraught with peril because right. when That's you're what that I'm high, when you're picking that high. I, I don't think you can go by position. Right. You know, it's the, that's right. that's why teams don't take goalies in the top ten anymore. Even yeah. though, or like, in the first round, yeah. even for that. Matter. That, that's my whole round. point that they overthought and they drafted for position and not talent. That's that's right. that's my big worry right. there is right. that you know it, they have specific designs on this player. I, I think the the best case scenario is like a Pierre Luc Dubois where. You know, he wasn't really a full-time center when Columbus drafted him, but they thought he could be a full-time center, and all his development went towards that, and, and it has worked out. He was fantastic, particularly mm -hmm. in the second half. So with Kat Kinyemi, played mostly wing this year, other than when it was international and he played center. Obviously now Montreal will say to him, like, okay, we want you in a place where you're going to be playing center. His dad's the coach, so he could probably That'll say, help. hey, dad. Pass the pass the milk. I want to play center. Yeah, yeah. Like, Why <laughs> pass the milk? Yeah. yeah. Or pass the salt. Whatever. Yeah. Come on, Dad. Throw me a bone here. Yeah. You're. You know. I mean. And Dad is going. Yeah, it's probably a good thing for me too because uh, you know I could probably. I, I need. I you know I'd like a nice retirement too. Exactly. Yep, yep. <laughs> get a good get a good outdoor sauna. You know that sort of thing. Actually, I thought I thought Mark Bergevin had one of the lines of the weekend. He was talking about on Thursday. He was talking about. You know, how he wants to change the team and what he wants to do. And he said something about how I'm going to make a trade that's best for the long-term interests of the Montreal Canadiens. And then he just said, whether I'm here or not. Wow. And I just thought, uh, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a mature man. Like, I, no, but I was, just like, I was just like, wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. not something you hear every day. From yeah, the, yeah. The says, because the, the short-term trades I've made have been awful. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of trades, actually, it's a good segue. Um, there was a mammoth trade on the weekend between Calgary and Carolina. Carolina getting Adam Fox and Dougie Hamilton, Michael Furlan. Calgary getting Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm. Huge trade, and I think it really seemed to polarize social media, and I've seen people saying that either team won. So curious what you guys think. Maybe I'll go first on this one, but... Um, I think that the overall perception was that Carolina won this deal because mm -hmm. Dougie Hamilton, I think everyone agrees, is the best player in the deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I personally think Calgary was backed into a corner a little bit knowing that Dougie Hamilton was not 
jiving in the room. Not that I think that should matter, but it does seem to matter. Um, and knowing that Adam Fox, it, it appears that he was not planning to sign, so they didn't have a ton of leverage there. And the thing about Michael Furland is, well, yeah, he looked good because he was playing with Sean Monahan and Johnny Gaudreau. Now Elias Lindholm is going to get to play with them, and he has a lot more natural talent, I think, than Furland. So I, I think Calgary's going to make out just fine. Also, TJ Brody, who seemed to struggle playing his his natural side on the left, mm-hmm. always better on the right side with Giordano. Yeah. He can move back into that pairing. Yeah, that's so, their top I, four. Yeah. yeah, that's the top yeah, four. Yeah. So I, I like the trade for Calgary, uh, I think, more than most people do. Mm-hmm. But what do you guys so, think? So why was Adam Fox not going to sign in Calgary? Lack of opportunity? Probably. Okay. That's what I would assume. He's going to have a better opportunity in Carolina? <laughs> well, He's going to have a yeah, better I mean, opportunity there? Yeah. They got a few defensemen there yeah, too. They're very similar. And to yeah, me, right. to me, it's like Carolina said, "I don't care what you say. I'm, we're, <laughs> we're taking you." And and I I think Calgary, uh, I don't know. Just because a kid says he's not going to sign there, I, I I don't know. I mean, the kid's still got. He's going into his junior year, right? Yeah. So theoretically, you've got his rights for two more years at least. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know to trade a kid. That's like got that much potential because he's become, from what I understand it, like an A prospect. Yeah, he was what he was like fifty two overall on our in our future uh, watch. Our yeah, future he was watch. and he was Calgary's he was Calgary's second highest prospect. Mm. But he has become an A level prospect from what I've been able to gather from people who know a lot more about this stuff than I do. Boy, to give up on a guy like that just because you know I'm not coming two years out, mm. I'm not sure that's the greatest thing to do. Mm-hmm. For me, the trade was it was pretty even-handed because of the situations that everybody goes into. Obviously, Dougie Hamilton and the Flames weren't seeing eye to eye, so you need to get some value. And I know you know we we spoke earlier today about Noah Hannafin, and Ken, you were saying you, you think maybe he's only a number four. Yeah, I, th- I think I think I don't think he's as good as Dougie Hamilton, and I don't think he'll be as good as Dougie Hamilton for the next five years. Yeah, but I think if you're looking at Calgary, if you have if you have a chemistry issue, and you have you know with with Brody playing on the the side he did not like playing on, you bring in Hannafin, and it's a fresh start for everyone. You know, they even kind of, they didn't trade coaches, but Bill Peters comes over from Carolina to Calgary. So he knows Hannafin. Sure. They have a working relationship. Hannafin did play at the All-Star game this year. Um, So obviously Bill Peters can get uh, a good amount out of him. And he's, you know, he's still coming up. So I I think Calgary, they they still look good there. And then, yeah, with Elias Lindholm, I, I look at him and I feel like he was miscast in Carolina where they kind of needed him to be a center but it wasn't happening early, and on the wing, you know, he was fine. He actually, I mean, the last time I checked, he had the most points of anybody in his draft class. I don't know if that's changed since, but he's been pretty consistent. But if you, yeah, you put him with Monaghan and Gaudreau, I'm not sure, I mean, it changes the dynamic of the, the line because I don't know who digs for pucks on that line. Yeah, that yeah, guy's so, not going to be digging pucks. Yeah. So maybe, maybe he's on, I don't, I don't know, maybe you mix things up. No, he's starting. Maybe, maybe you go Frolik on the first line, and then Lindholm plays with Kachuk and Backlund. Or... Yeah, it's tough because I don't know if you want to mess with Peter's, the three M. Peter's line. already said he's go- he's going to he's his idea is to put uh, Lindholm in Furland's spot. Right. But he, he said he also wants to put Kachuk in there as well. Oh, okay. So, well, then I there mean, you go. I mean, and so if you do put Kachuk in there, then he's an upgrade on Furland. He's yes, does sure. even if he's Furland, playing, he's he does everything right. Furland does, and and right. and probably has a lot more offensive potential. Yeah. Um, 
I, th- I feel like we gotta talk about the elephant in the room, though. We gotta talk about it. I mean, a right-handed defenseman who scores seventeen goals got traded. Mm. Yeah, and we know. I, and I we mean, know I mean, something... he's the most. He's the most. As far as on ice attributes. Is there anything more coveted in the NHL than a right shot defense? Yeah, they're they're the left handed starting yeah, pitcher. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and he's been traded twice already, and he's twenty six years old or twenty. What, how many? I, I think he's twenty six. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like he's been in the league what six years? This is a, this he's was twenty five. Twenty five. He's been traded twice, and he's a right yeah. shot defenseman who scores. Like that. And it yeah. seems like there were trade There's rumors the minute be's. he got traded. Like, from, from day one in Calgary, he was already seemingly on the trade block. Yeah, there's <laughs> got to be something there. There's just got to be. I mean, and I, I'm not saying it's Dougie Hamilton's character. I'm saying this might be one of those hockey cult, stupid hockey culture things mm-hmm. where if a guy's not in lockstep with everybody else and, and, and that, that he... Is a pariah, yeah. uh, you know. I mean, you were mentioning Ryan that he's a he's a brilliant guy. Like he had ninety nine average in high school when he played yeah uh, played very, in the OHL. Yeah, very smart, uh, very very smart guy. Um, you know, I mean, you hear maybe not as committed as maybe he could be uh, to being the best player he can and to team bonding exercises. And again, we're just the messenger here. If you're listening, I don't think any of us agrees with this culture, but it just seems to be. Oh, if you're the guy. I guess it was John Shannon who put it off to yeah, the Smithsonian. Yeah, I wasn't going to yeah, put a name to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. It's on Twitter. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody um, does. Yeah, yeah. But well, when he said when he go when the rest of the team was going to Moxie's, he was going to meet to a museum. Yeah. And it was like, wow, like wow, I didn't know that was such a horrible thing. You know? Yeah, I think that the best thing for the best thing for Dougie Hamilton now is he's smart enough to dumb it down a bit. If you know what I mean, like if he wants to have a long NHL career and stay in one place, he just has to sort of, it's unfortunate, but I think he has to suppress that side of himself and be like, you know what, during the season, I'm just going to like go with the flow and not make any waves. And as long as he can still have success on the ice while doing that, it's probably the, the best step for him because... Yeah, we've, we've talked about this before. Like, hockey culture is very rigid. You know, it's, it's very small-C conservative. And, you know, guys like P.K. Subban, you know, uh, they, they stand out. And you don't think it should be a problem, but clearly it is. Yeah, it clearly is, yeah. And, you know, for those guys, it's unfortunate. But I, I think you just sort of, you just have to go with it. And then when it comes to the summer... You do all you do what you want, and you, you just kind of treat it like any other job, and then once you retire, you become Ken Dryden and yeah. do Ken Dryden things. <laughs> do Maybe Ken right. Dryden things. <laughs> I think one thing people are underestimating in this trade is Noah Hannafin is twenty one years old. Yeah. When Dougie Hamilton was twenty one years old, he had twenty five points. Yeah. People forget how young Hannafin is. Mm-hmm. 21 years old, already playing in the All-Star game, as you said, Ryan. And we know that big defensemen historically often take time, Chris Pronger, uh, Victor Hedman, to develop their offense in their game, right? Yep. And we know that Hannafin in his draft year, I mean, for much of that year, he was talked of as a top three pick, ended up slipping to number five. Um, but he was coveted for his two-way ability. He's got great size. He's mobile. Yep. So I don't think we've even seen anywhere close to the ceiling of Hannafin. So I don't agree with the idea that he's going to top out as a three or four. I think he still has the ability to become a number one. 
So I'm not ready to, to, to hand the victory to Carolina on the grounds that Hamilton's better than Hannafin. Mm. I don't think we know that yet. And the interesting thing is both guys have been quite sheltered in their careers so far in terms of minutes. Both guys don't play the big 25 minutes a, a night type roles. Mm. But I'm curious to see what will happen when both guys do get to start yeah, they, playing they're more minutes. Both, they both moved up to the top of the top of the heap, yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. Theoretically, you'd think yeah. so, right? Yeah. Well, ha- ha- Hamilton has at the very least. Yeah, I have to think yeah, so, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, Ilya Kovalchuk's signing is all but announced. He's an L.A. King. And it's interesting. I mean, I know the Kings. We talked about the Kings on our own website as one of the top candidates to get Kovalchuk because we knew it was rumored. We knew that he came close to going there years ago when he was at UFA. Um, but from a pure hockey standpoint, and I agree with what you were writing about, uh, Ken, uh, it doesn't seem like a great fit. I mean, are the, are the Kings not doubling down on big and slow? Yeah. And they need to get yeah. faster. Like, shouldn't they have been well, pursuing a Jeff Skinner? Maybe they were. We they, just don't know. And maybe they are still. But, yeah, I mean, who knows? They don't have a lot, they don't have a lot of space left to do anything now. But mm-hmm. it's just, to me, uh, they've got nine guys on that roster who are 30 or older. Um, and, and that in and of itself is like, woo, that seems like a lot. <laughs> but in an era when the league is trending younger and faster than it ever has, um, it's more than a woo. It's like, a, yeah. you know, and, and to me, I mean, you're already the oldest, slowest team in the league. Um, you do need goals. I mean, they scored three goals in four playoff games, mm-hmm. uh, partly because they got beat by a team that was a hundred times faster than they were. But, yes. um, but you do need that offense. Um, this is the Patrick Marlowe contract. Uh, essentially, except Marlowe's fast, except Marlowe can move. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Marlowe can skate. Um, I don't know, like, his last two years in the KHL were his best two years, the past two years, um, is a point or more than a point a game guy in a league that's roughly on par with the American Hockey League, is that good enough, uh, yeah, I think you're banking on, on a 35-year-old guy. I think you want 25, 30 goals. I think he's going to produce like Jeff Carter type numbers. 25 yeah. goals, 30 goals, 60 points mm. is what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. From, I feel like that's reasonable expectation. I think he can still score. Yeah, yeah. I, I when I look at this Kings team, and I agree with everything you say, Ken. It, it's almost like it's a copycat league, but somebody always has to break the mold. I wonder if deep down the Kings think like, you know what, we're just we're going to go old school. We're going to go big and heavy, you know, puck possession hockey, and we're going to slow the game down. If they can do it, then I think it's effective. I thought Washington in the final, the, the way they exposed Vegas is that all those great skaters all of a sudden had to stand still in their own zone, and they didn't know where to go. Mm-hmm. And I thought as soon as Washington did that, it was like, this series is over. Mm-hmm. Can the Kings do that on a grander scale over an entire schedule and make it into the playoffs in in what's a pretty tough division now? Because you know Edmonton's going to be fired up. Vegas is still good. San Jose might be even better. Calgary looks like they'll have everything in order. It, it's going to be a big challenge. I think it's a, it's a pretty risky gambit, yeah. and I don't know if it's going to pay off, but in my head, that's, that's how I see. Like the only, re- the only way they're going to succeed is to hold on to the puck as long as possible and then have some pretty good shooters a la Kovalchuk, Yeah, I Jeff mean, that's, that's what they're missing, right? Like, I mean, it's like, 
it's like you can cycle the puck all you want in the offensive zone for the whole game if yeah. you like. I mean, that's great. But if you're not creating any offense and you're not finding the holes, <laughs> yeah, and you're not getting the puck on net, well, then really you're not that dangerous, right? Yeah. I, so I'm, I'm sort of pre-baking a hot take of L.A. maybe finishing last in that division. I don't know. Yeah. Just so many teams are going to be on the rise. And something struck me last week. I was talking to Sasha Barkov. And even when players are thinking about this copycat mentality, he said to me, he said, the league is getting faster. And he's like, I'm big, I'm strong, but I don't need to get any stronger. I need to get lighter. Mm. And it's weird hearing players already, like, adopting that mentality. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. big guys are suddenly yeah. not viewing their size necessarily as a strength anymore. They're thinking, oh, man, wow. I've got this yeah, extra yeah. weight to lug around. Yeah. i gotta, I got to shrink down a little bit. And, I mean, look at the draft. Look at the draft oh, yeah. this year. Look exactly. at the draft Especially this year. This year. I mean, yeah. you can only go by what's available, but... I mean, there were a lot of undersized, particularly defensemen, yes. who went, yeah. uh, who went in the draft. So, you know, I, I mean, I just think that when it, it's it's well, and, it's all well and good to say you're going to bl- break the mold, but I mean, the league is just trending towards so much towards this. And mm-hmm. and I thought in the end, you know, you bring up a good point about Washington, but I thought in the end they could still hang with. Vegas from a speed standpoint a lot yes. better than LA. Yes. Oh, for sure. Washington's you know? got it. it had everything. Yeah, 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 they yeah. Had, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, by the time people listen to this, it's entirely possible that John Tavares will have already signed if he's staying with the New York Islanders. Uh, but as we record this podcast, that the free agent negotiation window is opening. We know that John Tavares now it's been revealed uh, that he's going to meet with obviously his existing team, the Islanders, San Jose Sharks, Toronto Maple Leafs. Dallas Stars and Tampa Bay Lightning. That's what's reported right now. Uh, so let's make some last-minute predictions. Uh, they can be bold if you think he's going to go. They can be safe if you think he's going to stay. Uh, where do you think John Javaris ends up? Winnipeg. Ha-ha! Boo! <laughs> it's because Ken, I'm looking at Ken's computer. He's looking at it. He just was looking at a Winnipeg Jets logo. That's, That's right. why he said it. That's right. So... Bueller? I wow. think he stick I think he sticks with the Islanders. I think that he's going through the same process that Steven Stamkos did when he re-signed with the Lightning. He wanted to see what's out there. He wanted to see, you know, what would be different. But at the same time, I think if you look at everything New York is doing right now, I mean they still need a goaltender for sure. They could probably upgrade on their defense, but I mean there's some exciting young forwards there. You got Lou Lamorello in charge now. You got a great coach in Barry Trotz. I think Tavares looks at this and says, like, this could be, like, a pretty good legacy to be an Islander for life or Mm -hmm. at least close to it. And if he thinks that they can win there, then I I think that's enough to to keep him in town. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I mean... I've been all over the map on this. Like, a, if you'd asked me this a year ago, I would have said he's gone. If you'd asked me this six months ago, I would have said he's gone. Um, but it just seems to be that the, the tea leaves seem to be keep going towards the Islanders, unless somebody blows them away this weekend. You know, I mean, they're talking about how the Leafs could offer this great contract and everything. I think what people, and I mean, it's a nudge, nudge, wink, wink thing, but they're not supposed to talk money. Or contract. Right. They're not supposed to negotiate in these things. They're just supposed to be like, hey, this is us. Here we are. We love you. Yeah. Uh, you here's know, a this cool is video what we can we offer made. you. Yeah. You know, here's what a great city 
exes. They're not supposed to be talking money. They're not supposed to be talking contract. Yeah. So, I mean, but they do get it out there, right? Sure. Um, uh, but I, I think in the end, he's, I don't know. I, I just think he's going to, like like Ryan said, I think he's going to see how much people love him. And, and then he's going to, he's, he's probably going to... Um, end up going back. I mean, mm-hmm. the Islanders have done pretty much everything they possibly they, could. They really have. They really have got to give credit. Other than other than get a goalie. Yeah. Other than yeah. get a goalie, I can't they can't they have done everything within their power to make sure that they retain this player. They 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 got a new coach, they got a new GM. Their the rink is a couple of years away. They're going to play Twelve games at the at the yeah, uh, is it now? I heard Coliseum? twenty even now. Or is it still twelve? I thought it was twelve. Maybe I dreamt the twenty. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe you did. Um, you know, I mean, there's just there's nothing they haven't done, and no, you know, no stone's been left unturned to get this guy to come back. And uh, I, I think in the end, you'd have to think that he, they're going to be rewarded for doing that. Yeah. What I would love, and there wouldn't be a, a camera in the room, but I wish it would be would be for Tavares to go to the Islanders for the final meeting with Lamorello and say, okay, I've made my decision. I'm going to stay on one condition, full beard. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see what, what, if, if you could make Lamorello like, Wince or do anything, and yeah, she's like, yeah. ah, I'm just kidding. I feel, no, like, I feel like Lamarello would be like, well, then I'm sorry, it's no deal. That yeah, would be yeah, yeah, that yeah. would be equally amazing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I mean, I'm I'm pretty impressed. I feel like the Islanders are a bit of a whipping boy because they've been not a model franchise for a long time. Um, with all their bad contracts, Yashin, DiPietro, Milbury's trades before that, Garth Snow, et cetera, et cetera. The arena, the arena, the arena, the arena. The arena, the arena, the arena. Just, there's so many things to make fun of. They grow grass on top of the arena. Right. Like, I mean, come so, on. No, I it's think a we bad have to give place them... to watch a hockey game. It's a yeah. bad, bad place to watch a game. <laughs> so I think, the, I think we really now have to give credit where credit is due. They've really pulled out all the stops. And I'll say the same thing that I said about John Carlson. I never thought Carlson was going anywhere because... When all things are roughly equal, if you have no reason, if you're not compelled to leave your original team, like there's no turmoil or you know mm. anything like that, not moving, not uprooting your life is a nice tiebreaker mm-hmm. and getting the extra year, year on your deal. So the Islanders have, they already had those advantages going yep. in, yep. plus they filled in some other holes by, you know, new coach, et cetera. New okay, and, uh, okay, so, so I, there's one thing I do want to say here, and I really do want to say this, so I, I need to say this. That's it for everybody, yeah, thanks I for listening. <laughs> Okay, we are all in agreement that John Tavares, we think he's going back. It could yeah. change. Yeah. Things change a lot. He, 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 but we think he's going back. What I do want to say is, if they lose this player, the sky has not fallen, th- fallen in. It's not the end of the world if the, mm-hmm. if the, if the New York Islanders do not get John Tavares back. It's, it's just yeah. not. Because they're right. years they've away. So, they're years away. They've got so many good young players. Yeah. They've got such good young talent coming up. Um, you know, then you, then, okay, so John Tavares isn't coming back. Okay, so now we're building about around, you know, Matt Barzell and then yeah. Anthony Bouvillier, you know, Jordan Eberle, and we've got a good core here still. So sure. I, I think, you know, I mean, eight years at $11 million a year, he's... 27 now? I think he's 27. 27 now? Sure. Um, I, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if 
they could save all that money in cap space. And they'd probably and, get and the first overall pick next year. Like they'd, they'd be a rebuilding team, and they'd probably get another high pick next year, right, without Tavares. Yeah, I don't know if they'd be that rebuilding. Well, I think so. There is, think about the division. Uh, I, you know, Ottawa's playing in the league next year. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, I got Ottawa's in well, this league. Well, it'll be the Islanders and Ottawa will be last in their two divisions. Yeah, and Colorado yeah. will get that pick and it'll be Jack Hughes. That's what <laughs> I've been saying all the time. That's what that I've been saying. A, one of the underrated, one of the underrated uh, things here that, ever, that not enough people are talking about is this whole Ottawa debacle could be Jack Hughes. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. That's you fair. Know? Yeah. Uh, well, before we sign off for the week, we have a little special treat for you. Uh, when I was in Vegas for the awards, I sat down with P.K. Subban for a little one-on-one to talk about uh, being on the cover of the new EA Sports video game and a little bit about Nashville and his career in general. So this is P.K. Subban. Enjoy. I mean, I guess first of all, um, any guy who's on the cover of the game, I always like to ask this, but just you're, when you grew up, were you a big gamer when you are into the EA Sports? Was playing NHL part of your childhood life i feel like any kid that can afford to, to get a game console you know yeah um grows up playing video games um obviously playing hockey uh you know getting the nhl game was like a big deal for me and i remember one of the okay. first games i got was uh the ea sports you know nhl uh, game with throw mcginlaw on the cover 03. and i remember playing it yeah that's right oh three and um you know i remember playing it on ps1 and uh, playing against my brothers, and you know that's a whole different conversation. But uh, got, grew up playing the game, loved it. Um, you know, got really good at it, and uh, now it just continues to get better and better every year. And it's it's unbelievable where the game has gone. Cool. Well, I wanted to ask you too about your brothers. And did you guys have like a big rivalry, or was it more like you're on the same team playing season mode, or just like constantly going head to head? It it depends. Like you know how you go through like phases with your your siblings. You know where you're like. Oh, like we're so loving and close to like where we want to rip each other apart. And uh, it was very, very competitive when it came to video games, you know, Um, and I hate to lose, Mm -hmm. especially to my younger brothers. So I did everything that I could to win and I won a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess I would say that I'm probably the best out of all three of us in video games. Now it might be different, but definitely growing up, I made sure that I didn't lose. Was anybody like... Anybody go for the glitch goals or try to do anything cheap or did you try to keep it like on? I was cheap. I was not clean. I was dirty. I was dirty in the game. Yeah. I was dirty in the family room where we played. Like I would use props, whether it's pillows, mini sticks around. I'd throw different things at my brothers. I'd hit them with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd kick them. I'd turn the game off if they were going to win. Like I just, I, I refused to lose. Awesome. So. Um, and well, I'm glad you mentioned it again, too, because I know, he at the time was the first black athlete on the cover of the NHL game, right? So I think, and I think you're the second, if I remember correctly. So does that have special significance for you? Is something you think about being on the cover? Well, the rumor is that I'm the best looking guy to be on the cover. I don't know if that's, you know, that's, that's the rumor that's going on. I don't know who came up with the rumor, but um, no, I mean, obviously it's special. Jerome McGinley was, you know, I mean, and is one of the greatest players, you know, one of the greatest goal scorers, forwards, leaders. Uh, to play in the game and definitely someone that I looked up to the way he played the game played the game hard was an impactful player and you know it was really symbolic to see him on the cover and uh, you know for um, for someone you know like myself growing up playing the game that I love I mean growing up you don't see you know you're, you're growing up innocent you don't 
you don't see the color of skin, you just see your favorite players. But mm -hmm. as you get older, you realize that, you know, what he stands for. And, um, uh, you know, to see myself on the cover, obviously, there's going to be a lot of kids that uh, see me on the cover and, um, you know, may not know much about hockey, but maybe interested in it because, you know, that there's someone who looks like them on the cover. And yeah, for sure. uh, that's great. But, I mean... When you think about, I love Jerome McGinley because he was a 50 goal scorer in the league. You know, yeah. not because he was black. Um, you know, so I, I, at the end of the day, it's about performance, and I think that uh, my career and where it's gone has helped me get on the cover, and I'm really happy about that. For sure, awesome. Have you checked out any of the new game modes, like the pond hockey and all that kind of stuff? Man, it's insane. Like yeah. you know, compared back to 2013, like you know, that's. You know, 16 years ago, or 2003 rather, sorry, 16 years ago, like, the game has evolved so much. And, yeah. you know, whether it's, you know, now there's there's 200 legends that you can pick from. I mean, Wayne Gretzky's in there, and, and we're not talking about anybody else. But uh, with that and the in-game play, with the body checks and, you know, the speed and, and just the, the, the realism of the yeah. game, how realistic it is now, the way players move, the way they interact, the fact that you can like dress up in your street clothes when you're playing on the pond, whether it's like track suits and sweaters and hoodies and beanies and all that. It's just, it's so real now. Yeah. You literally, on Christmas Day, you don't have to go skate on the backyard rink or play shinny to, to feel like you're enjoying Christmas the Canadian way. You can literally play it on your game console. So uh, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm just excited to be a part of this transition. Yeah. And uh, I think people are really going to like the game, you know. And, and not only that, like I said, there's a really good-looking guy on the cover now. So, you know, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. To switch gears a little bit to just you, PK, um, you know, you're obviously so famous for being, I think, the most exciting personality in the game. But I wonder, for you, does it ever get, like, do you ever get tired of having to be on? Because people expect that from you, right? They know that you're a funny guy, you're a charismatic guy, but do you ever have a day where you're like, Man, I just want to be quiet. I just want to be the stoic guy. I, I want to be Matias Ekholm for a day and just take it easy. But is there a pressure to sort of always deliver because people expect that from you now? No, really. No, I think, I think people who maybe are, are aren't like me might see it that way. Yeah. But everyone's got to be themselves, you know. So what would be quote unquote on for someone is just normal for me. Right. You know. So. Um, you know, if I need a break from people, I take a break, you know, if yeah. I, you know, if I don't want to post something on social media, I don't like, but you know, when you, when you are with me, you're going to get PK, yeah. you know, just like, uh, you know, I'm going to get Larks when I'm with you, right. you know, yeah. so I'm that guy too, you know, it, well, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think everybody's just got to be themselves. I think in a sport like hockey, that's, that's still very, very early in terms of its stages of growth. And there's so much room for growth. You know, people are going to look at everything and analyze everything, players' personalities and, you know, where are the ripple, what are the ripple effects in the game that are going to help it continue to grow. And, um, you know, if uh, people look at the personality as players, I think that's one area. But, you know, for me, I just, like I said, I just want to be myself every day. And it's, a, it's, a lot, it's really easy to live your life when you're just being yourself and you're not trying to be something you're not. So I agree all the way. Um, I don't know if this is a question for you, but I want to ask it anyways. And I, I asked Pecorine this yesterday too. Um, do you ever feel like because because you are such a, an exciting personality, do people not give you enough credit for what you do on the ice, right? Because if you're known for one thing, people say PK Subban. He's a funny guy. He's an exciting guy. But you're also a really good defenseman, yeah. right? Do you ever do you ever feel that way? Well, I, I would have to agree with that. I think that there are times where people like to talk about like the personality and celebrations and stuff like that but there's you know 
before you can be that way, you got to be able to back it up. So, you know, I mean, you know, we're not talking about celebrations if I'm not scoring. So, mm -hmm. you know, you know, that's the reality of Touché. it. Um, but I agree. I think that a lot of times when people pay attention to that, those are people that are just sloppy and don't do their research. I mean, like it's, it's very easy to, you know, to, to say that LeBron James got to control his emotions. Well, yeah, but like he's getting emotional at a crucial point in the game and he already dropped 44 points. So maybe you should talk about the fact that he has 44 points and he's complaining to the ref because he hasn't been in the foul line once, you know, for the whole game. So there's, it, it all depends on who's speaking. So I probably pay more attention to that than actually what people are saying because if I know who's speaking, then I, I, I'll either know whether I respect that person or not. Because yeah. it's very easy to know people that do their research in the media um, and people that don't. You know, I mean, you can just follow the trend of what people are saying or you can actually do your research, get to know someone, follow their career, look at the numbers. The numbers don't lie. And, uh, you know, there's there's a ton of players that have come through our game that have personality. But, I mean, look at Jeremy Roenick, a guy who had a ton of personality, but he's one of the best American-born players to ever play the game. Yeah. But people talk about his personality all the time. Uh, that's Maybe that's just hockey because, you know, there's not a lot of players that have come through the game that want to – you know, be themselves. You yeah. know, I think it's very easy to kind of fall into the culture of what, how everybody talks and the way they walk and dress. And by the way, it's a great culture, by the way. You know, I, I love the game of hockey, but, you know, I've chosen to be myself. And I, I think that we're seeing it more and more in the league. It's great to see even a guy like Connor McDavid, who shows a lot of emotion on the ice. I think it's great for the game. I love it when he gets fired up when he yeah. scores a goal. And Austin Matthews doing the point. Yeah, yeah, I love it. it. Like, be yourself. Have fun. You know, uh, enjoy the game. It's You're less than 1% of players that get to play in the National Hockey League. But uh, I definitely agree with you that it can be frustrating when, you know, there's crit critics in the media that want to talk about only you know, your personality and, and, and not paying attention to the numbers. And For you sure. know, that's the numbers tell the story. Absolutely. And what was interesting to me about your season this year was that because Ryan Ellis was hurt for part of the year, it changed up the, the regular pairings. Mm -hmm. And I know you played a lot with, with Lexa Emlin this year, whereas normally it's just you and Echo, right? So I thought it was fascinating that you still had a monster season no matter who you were playing with. Is that something you take pride in, like sort of being the guy that you can elevate? doesn't matter who you're paired with, you're going to make that pairing work. Uh, I get excited for the ability to have to play different games. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, to 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 continue to play at a high level at this game, you have to be quick to adjust. And, you know, there's years where you're going to be put in a position maybe where your role might seem a little bit easier based on who you're playing with or you're getting the bounces. But there might be other years where you're put with a younger defenseman who's a little inexperienced who's going to go through growing pains and you have to play a certain game to insulate them and give them and build them confidence just like defensemen did for me when I came in the game uh, into the league so um, you know not to compare that to any of the defensemen I played with but I played with two veteran guys mm -hmm. in Eki and, and uh, Lexi Emlin and Emmy I, I know him from Montreal and um, I think it, it took us a while to click you yeah. know it took us a while to kind of understand how we wanted to play and how we wanted to find success, and we did. Um, but I do take pride in that. I take pride in you know having my coach look at the board and say I can put him on the ice with anybody, and I'll never complain. I'll never go down the hallway to his office and request to play with anybody specifically. I've never done that in my yeah. career. Um, you know, so I, I try to give my coaching staff that confidence too that 
uh, I'm willing to just play with whoever to help the team. And um, that was my attitude going into this year, and it worked out. Um, I know, so this summer you took some classes at Harvard, right? Or took a class at Harvard. Yeah. Was it just the one class? Yeah. So, so what was the reason behind the class? And is it part of a bigger plan, like post-career kind of stuff? Or it, it was like business of sports media or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Business, entertainment, media, and sports. Yeah. Uh, so the business, entertainment, media of sports. And it's a, a course at Harvard. Um, it's ran by Anita Albers. And she, uh, you know, there's about 50 people in the class. And, I mean, just names. You know, Michael Strahan was in there. Um you know, a bunch of people from Viacom and big companies such yeah. as that, um, Lindsey Vaughn, uh, some great athletes and, and people in the, you know, business, media, uh, corporate world that, you know, wanted to come and learn. And I think it was just an opportunity just to educate yourself on, on a number of things, not anything specifically, but just to continue to learn about business, sports and entertainment. And, um, you know, in today's world now, you know, with pop culture, everything kind of crosses now. Mm-hmm. There's not just like... You know, nothing is in a specific lane, you know, unless it's, you know, television for children and television for adults. Everything else is kind of crisscross, and even that does too. So, um, you know, I think in the world of, you know, business, the more you know, the better. And uh, I think just I had the opportunity, I mean, hopefully for the next uh, couple of years in the offseason, I don't have as much time um, to do things like that. But I had the time this summer, and uh, it was really, really good. I'm glad I did it. Excellent. Is that is that how you and Lindsay met, by the way, in, in the class? No, or you no, each other no. Before, right? we, yeah. yeah, we've met before, yeah. Very cool. Is that something you want to share, like how you guys met, or is it kind of... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we met, uh, you know, last year at yeah. the SB, so ah, that cool. was the first time we met, but uh, I guess you could say the rest is history. That's right. Dating that's now, right. and that's the deal. Very cool. Uh, I think just one last one for you. Um, in the class... Because it was sort of a, like, the, you know, there were more than one, you know, celebrity athlete in the class. Were you still able to concentrate or were there people constantly coming up to you? Hey, man, PK, I'm in your class. This is the coolest thing ever. Or what no, was it like? you'd be surprised because everybody in that class is kind of at the top of their field. And, mm. you know, some people in the corporate business, they, they may not know much about sports. You know, towards the end of the course, you know, they all want to take pictures because they find out who you are. They see what yeah, you posted yeah. on social media and uh, but we have people from all over the world, people from, you know, Brazil, like, you know, uh, Asia, like, you know, from all over the world. So you have people that know who you are and people that don't know who you are. But at the end of the day, everybody had some information to bring to the course. And in our discussions, it was just it's unbelievable. I mean, you have case studies and you have 50 different ways to solve it or to get feedback on how to you know, get a business deal done or what they should have done differently and you hear other people's perspectives and it really shows you that you're not the smartest person in the room and that's a good thing, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a great experience for me. Thanks, man. I really appreciate uh, thanks it. Thanks a lot. Well, thanks, PK, for doing that. Hope you enjoyed the podcast this week, everyone. And uh, next week, I guess we'll be talking about winners and losers of free agency. Thanks for listening.